0: This is Game of Thrones 2, Electric Boop Clue. I'm your host, Anthony. This week, I will be covering Catlin's third point of view chapter. This is the famous cat's paw attack with Alexis Gobel. Alexis, as you will know already, is a bald move regular. She's covered his dark materials and Better Cast Saul. And I'll be looking at the Ghost of Harrenhal with comic Steve Osborne. Without further ado, here is Boss Man Aaron.
1: Ask
2: Aaron Anything.
0: Best villain Aaron in TV or cinematic history. Of all time? Yeah. And just so everyone knows, Aaron has not seen any of these questions ahead of time where he is he is on the hot seat. Yeah, um... (laughs) Let's see, uh... While you're thinking about it, I'm going to tell you who Ebert's was. Yeah? Ebert had a great answer for this, and I wish that, like, oh, that's so good. That's why you're Ebert. Um, He said, the HAL 9000 was the best villain in cinematic history. Mm... Uh,
2: I was going to say, like the thing that popped in my mind was uh, Patricia Clarkson as Adora Krellen from HBO's uh, Sharp Objects miniseries. Because I've been doing the, we've been doing the the best of Baldies, the be, the mega she Baldies, and I've been, re- and I'm like, cheap. God damn, that woman's pure evil and like multi generational yes, evil. Yes. Yes. Um, and like, yeah. Actually, are like, you
0: saying the mom or the daughter? The mom. The mom. Okay, I'm not gonna. I don't want to reveal any anything about the show. If you haven't seen Sharp Objects, it's totally worth a watch. Mm-hmm. But I was actually gonna, not gonna say the mother. I was gonna say the daughter. But
2: ah, uh, see, uh, it's it's a it's a Roose uh, Ramsey debate. You yeah, know, that's, who's that's the right.
0: worse, the the tool or the craftsman who made it? <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. So what's your? Oh, so that was the one that you were gonna. I mean, that can't be the best, right?
2: I mean, that's the one that just like when you said the words, it, it came to uh-huh. my mind. I mean, if I yeah. go like best, like gee Wiz, like you know, uh, I probably say something
0: stupid like Darth Vader. You know, I honestly, you could do worse. Darth Vader would be my choice. Darth Vader, I think, is the best villain in film history. Now. I will say this. There could be an argument to be made that he's really an anti-hero. True. But honestly, you know, you you just start the mythology with episode four and five or whatever. There's Uh no doubt he's the villain.
2: Yeah. He murdered, like, every Jedi youngling there was at the temple because (laughs) Palpatine just said so, you know? Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. I think that there's. I will say this: that if Marvel, well, I guess Sony Pictures, whatever, the Fox, the the, yeah. the 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 squabbling parents that had custody over the character, if they had done a more consistent job of the characterization of Magneto, uh-huh. it'd be hard to beat Magneto because I like a villain who kind of has a point. Like it's it's an insane yeah. way to look at the world, but also the world that he's that he came from was insane. Um Magneto's pretty pretty freaking good. That's why So we just
0: did a uh my son and I just did a rewatch of Spider Man Homecoming yesterday. Mm-hmm. Boy Michael Keaton's just fantastic.
3: He and is.
0: I didn't really remember him being as good as he was in that movie, but he's the oh, guy yeah. he's the guy you're talking about. That guy has a point. He's he's mm-hmm. doing everything Tony Stark's doing. He's just a little bit
2: that's, that's you know. essentially the Sabatka guy from season two of The Wire. He just found bionic wings, you know? Um, I, I love, yeah, and that's, Michael Keaton is so good, especially when you keep in mind that he was Batman and also Birdman. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yeah. like, I fucking love that he actually is literally a Birdman in the Spider-Man movie. Yeah, absolutely.
0: If you have a question for Aaron or Anthony, you can send those to book at baldmove.com. Alexis, I'd like to play a game with you if you're up for it.
4: I am always up for games. What okay. do you have for me?
0: This is a game called Underrated, Overrated, or Properly Rated. Hmm. Okay. So I'm just mm-hmm. going to name something, and then you're going to tell me whether it's Overrated, Underrated, or Properly Rated. This is going
4: to get me in trouble with people, but okay. <laughs> Let's do <laughs> of, it.
0: Of course. <laughs> of course. All right. Uh First, first thing I'm going to ask is Breaking Bad. Overrated, underrated, or properly rated?
4: It is rated exactly the way it needs to be. Properly rated.
0: Properly rated. I'm guessing that, that you're a big fan of Breaking Bad, and rightly so.
4: Yes, I am. I yeah. love the way the show, It once it starts going, it does not stop going until it stops.
0: Yeah, sure. All right. I'm glad. I'm glad. Okay. Uh, Overrated, underrated, or properly rated- Herbal tea.
4: Hmm. For me, it's underrated. If you asked my my lovely husband, he would say overrated, and uh-huh. he would be wrong.
0: <laughs> he
4: would be wrong. <laughs> he would be wrong. I'm
0: correct. So I love herbal J- tea. Jim is not a fan of herbal tea.
4: He isn't. He doesn't is he like to of- drink flowers.
0: Yeah, so he doesn't like tea at all.
4: He he likes the leaf tea. He likes proper tea.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah, sure, sure. Earl <laughs> Grey or English breakfast or something like that. Or green tea, yeah. Or green tea. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, but you're you're a fan of herbal tea.
4: Yeah, I like it a lot. I I get some satisfaction from the slightly medicinal taste of it. <laughs>
0: I feel like I'm doing something good for myself. It uh, it does feel a little bit like you're an adult when you're drinking herbal
4: tea. Exactly. Yeah. And I need to I need to get that wherever I can.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, are you the kind of person who buys like 14 different kinds so you can have a lot of different options or do you have like one go-to herbal tea?
4: I do like to have a lot of options.
0: Okay. Right.
4: definitely but you can't buy too much at once because it starts to lose its flavor after a while
0: uh all right okay i'm not honestly i didn't know that i should know that
4: it's just like spices it starts to break down it loses its integrity the more it's exposed to oxygen
0: i see okay i'm not a big tea drinker when i lived in england i was it was like a daily well, thing of course yeah uh i don't know if it was just a win in rome thing or if it was just like I'm not going to be able to find the coffee that I like here, so I'm hmm. just going to go with the tea. I don't know. It's probably like I, I was. I, I wanted to feel a little bit British.
4: Well, the weather, I think, is very conducive to tea there drinking, too.
0: There you go. Because
4: it's cold and drizzly all the time, and you just like you need to get warmth from somewhere. You need okay. to keep your core temperature. Otherwise, you're just going to like jump off a bridge or something. Exactly.
0: You know that I'm glad that you said that because... I think about Winston Churchill a little bit differently than I once did. I think that, you know, how he took like frequent baths. I don't know if you know (laughs) that about him. I think he was trying to get warm.
4: Probably. Probably.
0: Like if he lived in like Phoenix or whatever, (laughs) I bet you he would have taken showers. Historians will need to debate this.
4: (laughs) They probably have debated it and we Uh just haven't read it.
0: Okay. So, Alexis, we are covering Catelyn. Uh, this is chapter fourteen. Mm-hmm. This is her third POV chapter. Do I have that right? Number I believe three? so. Okay, this is a very wolf-heavy chapter. Sure is. And you, <laughs> you have strong opinions about these these dire wolves, Alexis. Am, am I right in thinking that?
4: Uh, if you're, if my strong opinions are that I love them and I want to protect them with my life
0: then yes. <laughs> yeah, Accurate. so this this chapter is the I think it's the first indication or at least little hint that there's some connection between Bran and Summer even though Summer doesn't have a name yet. You do get the sense that okay, this wolf knows to protect Bran and even then Cat kind of thinks Oh, well that makes sense. It's it's Brand's wolf. And I think at this point you could kind of take that as, well, it's it's pet. But not for very long. I mean,
4: yeah. He hasn't
0: even named the dog yet, right? I know.
4: Yeah, I think I think this is the first chapter where you start to suspect that something other than natural is happening with the wolves and the kids.
0: Yeah, right. So, part of Martin's genius is it, these little slow reveals over time. Right. Like for instance, we hear Hodor mentioned in this chapter,
4: Mm -hmm.
0: and you know we we're not going to find out till you know much later why he's even named Hodor, right? Right. But he's he loves to plant these little seeds for astute readers to kind of wonder about, but he does he's not going to quite show you what they become till much much later in the story.
4: He's very good at that. He's very good at dropping those subtle hints that you don't really realize are subtle hints until after the fact.
0: Yeah. So I think given that that's kind of his way, I think that, I think we are supposed to notice that, that Bran has some connection to this wolf. That's a little bit different than, you know, sort of a pet owner relationship. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's my synopsis. Catelyn is at Bran's bedside. Bran is still comatose. She hasn't left the room in several days. Mr. Lewin bothers her with some bookkeeping and personnel issues, but she's singularly focused on Bran and refuses to engage. Rob steps in and tries to act lordly. The wolves howl outside. Cat, who's sleep deprived, collapses. Then Rob notices a fire in the library tower and runs out. And Catelyn is observing out the window. A man with a knife shows up. To kill Bran. Cat tries to defend her son and ends up on the wrong side of the knife. She manages to hold the knife's edge long enough for Bran's nameless wolf to rip the man's throat out. Cat wakes. After seeing that the knife is rare and expensive, she explains her suspicions to Rob about Bran's fall and the conspiracy with the Lannisters. She tells this to Theon and company, is swearing them to secrecy. Finally, she decides to go south to learn more about the knife and the conspiracy behind it. And that's my synopsis. What do you think?
4: Very well synopsized.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, good. All right. So, <laughs> guest choice. Um, you could talk. Ladder of chaos. Ladder of chaos. Ladder of chaos. All right. Good. So, what do you want to talk about?
4: I want to talk about how interesting it is to have a character have a baptism by fire, but not actually be in a fire.
0: Uh, say more. Say, say lots more.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so the fire's in the library and yeah, Catelyn sure. is not. Uh-huh. But mostly she, this is kind of her, her first Banff moment, right? Uh-huh. This is the moment where she decides to take control of her own narrative. Right. The beginning of the chapter, she is... In a lot of ways, overwhelmed by the choices that have been Uh presented to her. I don't think anybody expects for these things to happen in their lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially not someone who thought that she would just be a wife and a mother and then die eventually.
0: Sure. I think that this, I think you're probably right. And I'm glad that you said that. Here's what I wrote down (laughs) at the beginning of this chapter, she's like double minded, she's a double minded person. And I think that she's just kind of been thrown into chaos by Bran's fall. Mm-hmm. So she's double-minded on whether Ned should have stayed. Should should he go? Yes. That was her original take on it. In fact, she was pretty adamant about it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: When, then after Bran fell, she thinks Ned should have stayed. So she's kind of double-minded there. And then at the end, she decides to leave Bran. So she's she's a little bit... You're getting kind of mixed signals on that business. And also, should the wolf be allowed in the room, she really does care about Winterfell, you know, the the runnings of Winterfell, but in this moment she really doesn't care about it. In fact, at one point she just she says she she wants to kill all the horses and the wolves. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> so totally normal.
0: <laughs> but by the end of yeah, by the end of the chapter, she's not a woman of two minds. Right she is like laser beam focused on the South. Exactly. All right. Now this is going to be too cute by half, but you use the the metaphor of baptism by fire. You could say that she's a woman on the edge of a knife.
4: Yeah. Yes. She could,
0: could, you know, she could decide to fall into a sort of a domestic motherly role, or she could kind of return to her political machinations in the South. And she clearly chooses one over the other, right? Mm-hmm. But then, of course, you've got this whole literal knife thing happening.
4: <laughs> yes, I I do see what you did there, and I kind of appreciate it.
0: Okay, well, I don't want you to appreciate it too much. Cause then <laughs> oh, I was, no, I appreciate I it. Listen, some...
4: <laughs> exactly the appropriate amount.
0: <laughs> good, good. Uh, properly rated. Yes. Metaphor. All right, I want to know from you... Am I supposed to like Catelyn at this point?
4: Yeah, that's a really good question. Because I sure didn't like her at this point in the book, the first time I read it.
0: For what reasons? I'm I'm guessing it has to do with John.
4: It does have a lot to do with John. I I understand why she was so cold toward him, but also he's just a kid. It's not his fault that he is a quote unquote bastard. So there's that. And also her her waffling at the beginning of the scene always got on my nerves. Again, you understand why it's happening, but also yeah. it's it's very strangely portrayed. It's like she loses her mind for a minute.
0: I wonder if, I, I think I always had the same impression of Kat, but after reading this chapter, I think this is not how she normally acts. Right. And I think that maybe she kind of has been giving John subtle hints that he's not welcome. But then, after this this happens to Bran, she's kind of like a raw nerve in that she's just saying everything without a filter. So I don't know if she's always this openly hostile to John, but my first impression of her, of course, is that she's very political, she has a very she has very strong sense of what Ned ought to do, you know mm-hmm. how how Ned ought to do his duty. And then she's just horrible to to John, right?
4: Yeah, she really is.
0: But I wonder if I should forgive some of that because she's, you know, she's in this horrific state.
4: Well, the way John would describe it, she is always cold toward him. I don't know, like you said, yeah. if it's so much the outright, uh, I don't like you, you little bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, he, he doesn't get to eat uh, anywhere near his siblings. Yeah. He has to sit at the end of the hall with all the other like pages and stuff.
0: Uh huh. I there's part of me that doesn't like Cat for that reason, but that I like Cat for so many other reasons.
4: I definitely think she has a ton of redeeming qualities.
0: I think she's super smart. I think mm-hmm. that in the book she's supposed to be super smart, and I think that we get the sense here that Rob is not so smart.
4: Rob is fourteen years old. He's very much still <laughs> a teenager, and she herself says, "Oh, I forgot. You're just fourteen. You're not yeah. actually a lord of a castle yet." Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's trying. He's he's trying,
4: trying to... but also he he says, "I need you too, mom. Could yeah. you could you pull it together for a second?
0: Right. I think. I mean, mainly, I think he doesn't want to be Rickon's. I don't, he doesn't want Rickon hanging all over him. I think that that's part of it.
4: Definitely, he has um, armor now. He's carrying a weapon. He's kind of feeling like, I don't know. He's the lord of the house. I think Edard even said when he left, "You're the, you're the man of the house now."
0: Right. So do, he's
4: feeling that responsibility. But
0: do you get the sense that like there's really no reason to be carrying a sword around? But it's like it's it's his first real steel.
4: Yeah, I think it's just like, um, I don't know. It's like long pants. In, yeah. in the uk
0: <laughs>
4: it's it's his long metal pants
0: yeah okay but just
4: one and it's not on his leg
0: right so it's it's kind of like uh she notices twice that he's wearing a sword mm-hmm. and it's kind of like rob put put the sword away man you don't you don't need to carry it everywhere however
4: he brandishes it doesn't he and she she does... she's like you don't do that just just put it away son
0: well, and I think that um, I think that Roderick even says something like, "It don't ever pull out that sword unless you intend to use it."
4: It was Roderick, yeah,
0: yeah. So, and then Cat says basically says, "Well, you may you might need to use it," suggesting that they may have to go to war or something. I mean, she's serious. She's serious about the whole thing. I really feel like. Catelyn is so much more interesting on the page than she is on the screen.
4: Well, that's adaptation, right? Because in on the page, we can see inside her head. We know what she's thinking. And on the screen, yeah. all we have is what the writers and directors have decided to give us.
0: Here's my main issue. I think what motivates Catelyn in the book is fundamentally different than what motivates Catelyn in the show. I think what motivates Catelyn in the book is she wants to figure out all of these sort of conspiratorial things that are happening down South. And I don't think she trusts Ned to figure them out. And I think she feels like I'm a political creature of the South. If you want this job done, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to go figure it out. I'm going to capture Tyrion. I'm going to, you know, outsmart everyone.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: That's what what motivates her in the book is the Game of Thrones. Sure. I think what motivates her in the show is sort of this protective, like, I'm gonna protect my husband, I wanna protect my children. Um It's very maternal, which very it's it's too maternal. Yeah. I mean, we saw in this in this chapter, she's just she decides Ah, Brand's fine. <laughs> <At the laughs> I know she went through it. all
4: of that, and then she's like, "Ah, it, it's no. Here's a new mystery. There's something else she's, to." to yeah, do. Yeah, she
0: she she lapses into sort of her maternal, like motherly nurturing, but then she when she re kind of reclaims her Catelyn. You know, I don't know personality.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: She's like, "I've I've done all I can for this kid." Uh, Rob, you take care of Rickon. Uh, Roderick and I, we're we're heading south to save the day. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm
4: taking the last good fighter you have, and I'm going south.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I like I like the book better. Oh uh, well, this, in this yeah, case,
4: in this in this case, and, and a in a lot of cases, case. I'm sure.
0: A lot of cases, especially with this book, because uh, there's there's not man, there's just there's no errant uh plot threads whereas like in the later books it's like where's this going martin
4: right yeah it is <laughs> it it feels a lot tighter and it does start to unravel this
0: this first book is really tight yeah yeah okay so here's my case for rob being a little bit smarter than he gets credit for so he wants to open the windows and let the wolf, like listen to the wolves howl, mm-hmm. and he thinks that this is gonna do something for Bran. I don't know if he. I mean, I think he maybe just intuits that the wolves are important for Bran.
4: I thought that was an interesting choice because I don't know why anybody would think that that would help.
0: Right, like he he says, you know, she says, uh it's it's he's going to be too cold, which would be common sense, right? Mhm. Uh and he says no, he needs to he needs to hear the wolves howl, which sounds like some some 14-year-old nonsense.
4: <laughs> yeah, it's some it's a magical bullshit is what you're yeah, saying. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. However, we find out later that Bran improves seems to improve when the wolf is closer to him.
4: Right. At the very least, At the uh, very least, his life saved by it.
0: Yes, that's right. That's right. So the, the wolf ends up uh, saving the day. right? Mm-hmm. Suggesting that cat maybe is not in the right to want to butcher all of the animals in all of Winterfell.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that's, yeah, it's an interesting conclusion to come to, but I could see how she got there.
0: Yeah, it's, it's got to be annoying. I mean, even Tyrion thought the wolf howling was disconcerting when he was... At Winterfell.
4: No, of course he did. He's a snack.
0: He he is a bite-sized I mean so. that
4: in multiple, multiple ways. <laughs> but the regular spelling and the spelling with two Cs.
0: Okay. He's a snack. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have you on the record. Very good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right. So uh, I just want to point out a few notable introductions. Hallis Mullen. Hmm. Not that anyone cares about <laughs> Hallis Mullen, but he is introduced for the first time here, and then more notably the famed Valerian steel knife with the dragon bone handle
4: mm-hmm
0: and the cat's of course ball. yes, yes, this is the uh yeah okay, I want to ask you about this, yeah, the knife a lot's made of this knife, right mm-hmm. Uh, it's very unique. I always felt like this is, it's it's almost too obvious of a plant. Like, I feel like most of the people in the story are pretending or at least thinking, like, oh, whoever mur- tried to murder Bran really messed up by giving this cutthroat this fancy knife. Because now we're going to be able to track where this knife came from.
4: Right. It's Valerian steel. There's only yeah four or five of those. When 100%. in reality,
0: what they should be thinking is, this knife is meant to point us in the wrong direction. And I feel like if these characters in the story are smart, they, won't, they wouldn't be thinking, ah, the, the <laughs> criminal messed up and gave the person too fancy of a knife. They should be thinking, uh, this knife is way too fancy and it's probably meant to mislead us.
4: You would think so. You would think.
0: But I don't know whether it's just like, okay, so I've read the book a couple times and now I'm... Now I'm smarter than everyone in the story. <laughs> uh, that I don't could know. be. Yeah,
4: you're playing chess, and they're over here still playing checkers.
0: Yeah what 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 is your what is your thought on this?
4: My opinion on that changes depending on which explanation you want to go with. I feel like the books and the show give two different explanations for who actually put this dagger into play.
0: Tell me more about that.
4: Uh, in the book, they eventually. I, I think it's pretty settled. But maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of my butt here. But in the book, it seems like they're pointing toward Joffrey. And that's why it's such a fancy... Like, he chose the least fancy dagger out of Robert's wagons whenever they Uh came to Winterfell. But the least obvious dagger was still a Valyrian steel dagger. And maybe he just didn't know enough to know that that was the case.
0: Right. Yes.
4: Whereas in the show, they make it pretty clear that it was Littlefinger.
0: Littlefinger really is, I mean, Littlefinger's involved in a few different uh, assassination attempts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's always doing it with, like I say, a cat's paw. He's always doing it with a proxy. Mm-hmm. I guess you could. it could be a both-and scenario where Littlefinger's involved. Right. And maybe Littlefinger should get the lion's share of the credit in the end. I'm not really sure how to read that. But I'm glad you pointed that out for sure.
4: Yeah, it's uh, interesting. Plus, which, we, we don't know, also. The books aren't finished yet. Maybe it was Littlefinger.
0: Yeah. Which one... Okay, so which one is more interesting to you?
4: Considering the fact that Joffrey is, like, super dead, yeah. <laughs> I think it's more interesting <laughs> to have Littlefinger, to have the, you know, it's two steps removed from the truth. It's, uh-huh. a, it's still a very fancy dagger. Right, 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 right. Right? Yeah. So he is trying to mislead.
0: Sure. Now, Cat thinks... Sometimes Martin, <laughs> Martin will do these, these clever little things, right? So right now they're still trying to figure out how John Arryn died. Mm-hmm. We will eventually learn that he died by a, this poison called the Tears of Lys or the Tears of Lice or something. Yeah. And it's spelled L-Y-S, which is exactly how Lysa Arryn spells her name. Oh, that's
4: – I never made that connection before. All right. so that's then I, All
0: right. So then let me ask you this question. Is Cat the cat's paw or is the knife the cat's paw? Hmm. Because if Cat is the cat's paw, that kind of fits with Martin's little, you know, name game.
4: It does. If Littlefinger was trying to pull her away from Winterfell,
0: well, if he wants to incite a war between the Lannisters and the Starks, right. and he knows that she's a firebrand. You know, or a mama bear, or something, and he knows. Okay, I know her well enough to know that if I poke her just a little bit, mm-hmm. she will she will go into a murderous rage. I mean, he's <laughs> definitely so trying to. The... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, if that's the case, then she's the cat's paw, and and her name is Cat.
4: I like it because we know that he is trying to pit the Lannisters and the Starks against each other. He tells her. He tells her himself, got his his mouth dirty, if not his hands. Uh, he tells her that the dagger was Tyrion's, yeah. or that now Tyrion this, won it from him.
0: Right, right. Now this assumes this assumes that that Littlefinger is involved, and I think he is because. Catelyn gets this letter from her sister, and her sister warns her that the Lannisters killed Jon Arryn. We know that that's not true at this point, mm-hmm. and we know that Lysa is kind of enamored with Littlefinger and all that business. So I'm going to go with the both-and situation here. I think Littlefinger is involved in some way.
4: Yeah, I mean, the, like you said, there's just too much evidence pointing toward
0: it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay. All right. I'm glad I didn't have to fight you on that <laughs> too, too, early <laughs> in the, too early in the morning. It is. Such such things. I thought it was interesting to see Theon and Roderick in the same room together and ch- you know being chummy.
4: Yeah, it makes sense. He's the Master of Arms, right?
0: He's the Master of Arms, and Theon in the books is a little bit older than Ned's sons, right?
4: He is, yeah. He's... Maybe. Late teens like, or early 20s.
0: Yeah, I think he was like 18 or 19 or something like that. I think on first read, I probably liked Theon at this point.
4: Yeah, he's a little cocky, but he's he's okay. a little
0: Yeah, he's a little bit sure of himself. He's a little bit too cocky. But he's the only one that has a sense of humor in Winterfell at this point.
4: <laughs> yeah. He uh, hasn't had it frozen off of
0: him yet. Yeah, right, right, right. You kind of get the sense with these Starks that they're not. I don't know. Are, are they people that you want to drink with? If, would you want to have a beer with any of these Starks?
4: I think Ned's okay. Like, he, I think he presents a very tough, cold front. Yeah. But I think beneath that, there's a lot of warmth. Maybe not so much humor, but definitely warmth. I feel like he's probably a nice person.
0: Maybe so, but I kind of feel like he's always got his, uh, almost always got his either like, Solemn fa- fatherly face on or solemn lordly face on. Yeah. I don't think he'd be good to hang out with.
4: <laughs> I think you'd have to be related to him for him to be good to hang out with.
0: At this point in the story, if I wanted to hang with anyone, it'd probably be Theon.
4: Yeah, I would give you that. I was going to say John, but at this point in the story, John is doing the whole teenage angst thing.
0: He's, yeah, he's. Crying, he's getting. You know, he's yeah. He's a little he's, wine. He's getting he's drunk. Suffering. He's running off. Yeah. Well, he's. I mean, he, for all all good reasons. But. Definitely. Yeah. So Theon at this point is not. I, I. I really do think that Theon is meant to at this point seem like an ally, and in the show, Kat seems to distrust Theon, like just at his core. Yeah. Whereas here, she tells him this this secret that can't go out of the room. Like, she trusts Theon with this huge secret. And you get the sense that Kat is pretty, in the book at least, she's being really careful with these secrets. Like, she gets the the, the note in the mail and it's written in a, a secret language that only she and Lysa know. And then she immediately burns the note. Mm -hmm. So you get the sense she's she's actually being really careful, or at least she's trying to be really careful with these secrets. And then she confides in a small group of men in her bedchamber, one of of these men is Theon.
4: I do feel like in the books, whenever Theon sort of turns his coat inside out, and says, yeah, yeah. oh, just kidding. I was a squid the whole time. It <laughs> it does come as kind of a shock because he is he seems so loyal in these first scenes with him. And I wonder yeah. if maybe in the show they were trying to mitigate that a little bit by having her be immediately distrustful of him.
0: Yeah, that, yeah maybe that's so. Uh, maybe that's so. Uh, all right. So I feel like in the books, they on. I mean, at this point, I kind of like him, mm-hmm. even though he's kind of like John calls him an ass at one point. He is kind of an ass.
4: Yeah, kicking the head was kind of gross in that first chapter.
0: It's kind of gross. He also wants to kill the wolves. Yeah. So, but I kind of feel like I'm interested in this guy. I'm, I'm a little bit interested to see where this guy goes. Whereas I think that the show, you're probably right. He's probably more interesting earlier than he is later in the story. Alexis. Yes. Anthony. I want to ask you a final question. Okay. Uh, Out of all the characters in all of Ice and Fire, the character who your friends and family think you are versus the character deep down inside you know you really are.
4: Hmm. Going to have to think of this in terms of gender bending, probably, because there are like four women, six maybe. So they... Oh,
0: yeah. You got got to gender bend because... (laughs) I, there's clearly, I, I've, I've so much affinity for Arya. I just feel like there's no, there's no one in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, show or the books that I'm more connected to than Arya.
4: I love Arya. She was always my favorite. I wouldn't go so far as to say that I think I'm her though. She's much too, uh, perfect in every way. And I wouldn't describe (laughs) myself in that way.
0: You wish that you could you could be a better murderer? Is that what you're saying?
4: Oh, I just wish I could be more slippery, I guess. <laughs> a little more able to uh, master my facial features and
0: uh-huh. lie, I
4: guess. Yeah, that does sound yeah. kind of bad, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of a ninja. I mean, she's, she's kind of a ninja. She's kind of a ninja. That's pretty awesome.
4: I would say my family and friends would think that I am Sam Tarley. Okay, and I think that I am Brienne of Tarth.
0: Okay, so all right, so which attributes of Sam Tarly would they think of you?
4: Bookish, awkward. uh, Will probably never get laid. (laughs) (laughs) You'll note. You'll note that both of these characters are uh, the probably would never get laid types. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, they could solve each other's problem. I suppose I, I doubt it, but <laughs>
4: Yeah. She I think she likes prettier men.
0: I think she probably does too. <laughs> Apparently. Alright, so alright, so Sam Tarley, bookish, awkward. Mm-hmm. Um he's smart, but his smart is his intelligence is sometimes a liability. Right?
4: Yeah, uh, now why do you say that?
0: Well, because I mean, there are people in this story who are super smart, but they are also pretty savvy to, like, not reveal themselves to be too smart. Like, if Sam was a little bit less bookish, maybe his father wouldn't have tried to murder him and send him to the wall or whatever.
4: <laughs> sure. Or
0: threatened to murder him, All right. Right. And I think that as sort of a man of the Night's Watch. Definitely, yeah. He doesn't
4: know how to hide that.
0: Like he, maybe he shouldn't reveal to that he that he's so bookish to these men. He doesn't know how to hide it, right? So are you like that?
4: I I think so. I think I sometimes get excited that I know something and just blurt it out without thinking about the
0: <laughs> <laughs>
4: thinking about the uh, the circumstances around me.
0: All right, so um, so. I You could say Brienne is somewhat gender-bending as well. A little bit, yeah. So what attributes of Brienne do you see in yourself?
4: Uh, scrappy. She's sort of... I mean, she's big, but she's also scrappy. She's a survivor. She's tough. And maybe not necessarily as bright as a Sam Charlie.
0: I don't know if... Well, she's not as smart as Sam She's, well, not, but not, but not many people are as smart as Sam, but, right. um, I don't know if she's not smart. No,
4: I wouldn't call her like dumb or anything. I think she is exactly as smart as she needs to be for who she is.
0: When I think of Brian, I think, I th- I think of her being humorless.
4: <laughs> okay. Yeah. That doesn't actually fit me that well. in retrospect. But,
0: but it could be that that's sort of born out of her insecurity. Like if she was. If she was sort of like a couple pints in and around people that she trusted.
4: I love um, whenever we get to see her and Podrick together. Those are some of my favorite scenes.
0: That was a really great little duo.
4: Yeah, it was.
0: I love that. I loved. I, I. One of my favorite. Scenes of the entire series is when she is finally knighted by. By Jamie.
4: Yeah, that I actually cried. It was very
0: sweet. It, it was such a wonderful scene. And uh, I just did a rewatch recently and I, I teared up and I thought, you know what? For all of the sometimes justified maligning that the, the, the final season gets or the final two seasons get. That was just a wonderful scene. I mean that, that that final season has a few like really wonderful moments.
4: It does. It has a lot of very satisfying kind of almost uh what's the word? Fan service moments. Fan service, yes. But also it serves the plot.
0: It serves it serves her character arc really well. Mm-hmm. I think that, that that that's actually quite a wonderful way to conclude her story. I wasn't a huge fan of then having her hook up with Jamie, but that's my own little.
4: Yeah. I didn't like that either, especially to, to have her do that. And then to have him turn around and go straight back to Cersei. Although that makes sense, but. I mean, that's kind of 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 his
0: character, but again, I, I, I like, I love that. And I love that finally. So he is able to give her what she's always wanted, but kind of has, has never been able to name um, like even in that scene like she's she doesn't even want to say that she wants to be a knight and then pod's kind of looking at her like what are, what are you talking about of course you want to be a knight right uh, and that so much happens with the, with his eyes in that scene that was wonderful and then she ends up reciprocating because then she ends up filling in jamie's pages yeah at the end, and so he, she's able to give him at, at least a, the more complicated legacy that he deserves, rather than just being known as the Kingslayer. So, I thought that was brilliantly done. And you know, say what you will about the final season, but oh, I people,
4: people was...
0: have, <laughs> 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 they have, and they will continue. But I did love, I did love that that little exchange. So
4: it was great
3: we're getting geared up for the sixth annual summer badass fest and while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy we've got an early action-packed announcement to make
0: We saw Roderick's sideburns again, dude.
1: Uh, yeah, they showed up, and they uh, they did not disappoint.
0: Now, in the book, he shaves those sideburns right off. Wow. Yeah. It's a very important detail because they're so distinctive that if he wants to go incognito, like when he goes south, right? of course I mean, that's, he's the only one in the kingdom with these sideburns, man. It's the this, it's this Clark Kent Superman situation, right? It's like if you were Dwayne from A Different World. Oh, yeah. And you get contacts. Yeah, that's right. You take off those flip glasses. No one knows who you are. Right. So if you want to go incognito, you can't wear those flip glasses. That's your look.
1: Yeah, not only are you incognito, but you're not interesting anymore.
0: <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah. So we saw Roderick's sideburns again. And uh, I think we're bearing the league here. The The Smoke Baby became Mm -hmm. a smoke man and then became a smoke assassin and then and then bounced yeah he was gone that was it for him that and
1: that okay so here we go right Renly uh Renly is kind of you know he doesn't want to yield anything to the Starks and he's making a case and then smoke man comes in kills Renly leaves and i kind of feel like this is this is this is where i'm you know i'm i'm willing to go on the magical journey but i'm kind of like i feel like that smoke man could have done a little more work
0: <laughs> There's a lot of setup for smoke man
1: yeah smoke man went through a lot of, he grew up to be you know he could have been a smoke teen still we don't know um but he comes in and he.
0: well he knew how to leave on a high note well,
1: yeah, but I just feel like, you know, it's like, well, while I'm at, while I'm here in smoke form and no one probably know, like, no one's formulated a plan for like, how do we destroy the smoke man? Smoke man's brand new. Smoke man, I feel like could have just sauntered through tents and just wiped up. But I guess they, I guess they want the army, right? But I feel like there could have been more work.
0: It could be like smoke man is a little bit ADHD. It's like you give him one step of instructions yeah. If the instructions are, okay, first kill this guy, then go into that tent, then kill that guy, it's like you've lost him.
1: Well, he was a smoke baby, just like, just real, like, right previous.
0: Yeah, right. He, the guy is literally, like, two hours old, if that.
1: Baby crawls out, gets all big, and they go, okay, now here's what I want you to do. <laughs> Like, no, 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 I just stop interrupting. <laughs> no, the... you're like, all right, look, look just look, you focus. All right. And they're like, they're like explaining, go in, I want you to wipe out the army. And, like, mm. and he's like stabbing it with his smoke fingers in the sand. Like, yeah, yeah, no, no, but you're not, that's not it. That's not, it's not over. <laughs> to me, that seems like a good balance. <laughs> like, I can, like, that grounds it a little bit. Right.
0: All right. So, this episode, I think, addresses a little bit of your concerns about magic and let me see if how you feel about it so smoke man comes in kills renly and all of a sudden this alliance between the starks and baratheons fall apart Mm -hmm. and so then your concern last week was all right so then just smoke man your way to the iron throne right but in this episode what they did was smoke man leaves he makes his Mm -hmm. his exit and then you've got Davos saying don't do it if you keep doing it this way they're going to start worshipping the red priest and not you right right and so stannis commits to going into the next battle without the smoke red free. yeah he's smoke free he's given it up cold turkey <laughs> yeah that's that's hard man that's so they're they're kind of baking a political rule into the world whereby you can't just smoke man your way out of every situation right does this help you at all?
1: It helps a little, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, it's real easy to be like, I'm not gonna use the smoke man
0: when you got a smoke man. Yeah, like, that's right. The next time, yeah, the next time Stannis is in this situation, you're like, oh, how stupid! You had a smoke man, and you they start they the start
1: throwing man. they start throwing bowls full of napalm or medieval napalm at you. And uh-huh. You're like, well, alright, okay, well, the smoke man.
0: Okay, what about this? Hmm. The implication here is that Stannis' seed inseminates the smoke man. Sure. All right. Okay. What if Stannis... I'll allow it. All right, all right. You know, because they have sex on the war table and whatnot, right? Sure. And then she births the smoke baby. (laughs) What if Stannis has a little bit of a performance problem?
1: Oh. And so you're saying that the smoke baby was immaculate?
0: Well, no, I'm saying it worked that one time. But the next time Uh, he tries to get a smoke man going.
1: Well, is the smoke man like, is it a disposable smoke man? How many uses do you get? Like, is this like if you're playing a game and you have a card, you can use it strategically, but you don't get to keep the card once you use it. Right. So I'm in the spot where it's like, okay, so Stan is like, fine, no smoke man. Well, uh, you know, the red priestess is still out there. Like she could be like, well, you know. We have a responsibility, you know. And the smoke man's like, "I didn't ask to be birthed," <laughs> and so I don't know. I mean, like, can the smoke man change? Uh, Lord? I mean, there's, there's a. I mean, obviously, I feel like we're not done with the smoke man because I mean, the smoke, <laughs> he's there, he's out there, he's
0: well, or he just dissipated. Okay. Yeah, it's like a card. It's like Stannis played his smoke man card, and now it's in the discard pile.
1: Right, so I mean, if, if, now that like see, I can get on board with that. If that was explicit, now I don't know what's going to happen, obviously. But like, if I, if that was it, like she's like, ah, oh, I need another smoke man. It's like, all right, get to the war table, Malasada. I mean, you think,
0: weird. yeah, exactly. You think, well, he just can create another card. He can draw another card from the deck.
1: Yeah. That's a good point.
0: All right. Anything more to say about Smoke Man at this point?
1: I well, I mean, that whole it sets in motion a lot, obviously. But um, so one king down.
0: So one king down. So Renly's certainly not going to sit on the Iron Throne
1: unless it's as a goof.
0: Unless it's (laughs) unless he becomes the Smoke Man.
1: Yeah. Unless it's like weekend at Renly's.
0: That's (laughs) right. Yes. All right. So uh, we talked a lot about Joffrey's name day present Mm -hmm. and what he does with these prostitutes and it's really, it's almost like it's Tyrion and Braun mention it in passing. Yeah.
1: Just it's like it's
0: a throwaway line.
1: Yeah. For a scene that was to your point was like, you felt it was gratuitous because you yes. kind of know where we stand. So you build this scene up again. My, my point I think echoed your uh, sentiment, which is don't need it. We, we, no one's no one's wondering, you know. Well, is Joffrey just misunderstood? Like nobody yeah, likes Joffrey. Right, yeah. So the thought I had was like, okay, that becomes important if that does something dramatic to the Tyrion Joffrey relationship, right? And it didn't seem to at all.
0: Well, Tyrion says uh, he's a lost cause, right? Sure. Let's, so it could be that you know. So Bronn and Tyrion had the idea. Let's let's see if we can sort of give him a sexual pressure valve and uh clearly it it didn't help it didn't help matters and so they're now writing joffrey off as a lost cause well it feels too which like we already the, knew i think
1: yeah yeah but i think maybe so so here's where i will at least you know and this may be a reverse engineering um but like with Tyrion, I mean, at the end of the day, Tyrion is his uncle, right? I don't ever get the sense that he has real strong familial feelings for Joffrey. But if there was anything lingering, this was kind of like, all yeah. right, eh, yeah, he's just a monster. Kind of what I thought. I thought I'd, I'd give yeah. it one more. Like if it turns out that all of a sudden Joffrey comes out and he's like, uncle, thank you so much for the name day present. Suddenly it's like, huh, well, maybe hmm. maybe that changes how I approach this guy. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can have... Maybe I can influence him as an uncle as opposed to having to do it this other way. But I think there is something to be said for how sort of dismissive it was. Like mm-hmm, he's a lost cause. It's yeah. like which is fascinating because he's the king. He's he's the one by which you have to to navigate around or through, and they just sort of dismiss it. So I, I think it seals the deal that Tyrion is like, all right, fine, uh, I'm not gonna be able to say to him. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll just go with the plan that I have before. I'm running this show. I don't really care about him. I'll deal with him accordingly. Like I just, there's something about that that's it, it's it. It adds a little more. It, it, as disappointing as it was to see the lack of closure, it, mm-hmm. it, it introduces a new element very subtly.
0: I did appreciate the um, street preacher mm-hmm. because we really don't ever get a whole lot of the perspective of the common folk, right? Right. And here they are from a street preacher's perspective, from the commoners perspective, we see that all of the people at court, mm-hmm. they're all in the same boat. You know, we know that Joffrey's a monster, but from their perspective, Tyrion's a demon monkey. It's a not a demon like, monkey. Yeah, it's not that's a that's a difficult that's a difficult reputation to live
1: down. Well, I think it's kind of I think it's a very compelling moment because um to your point, we haven't seen the commoners because, as far as all the folks in court are concerned, they're all the same person,
0: right? And you can have different evil dictators for that are that way for different reasons. So you've got people at court who do evil things, but they think that they're the good guy, like Tyrion, right?
1: And that and that's an important moment right there, where also Tyrion's like, wait, I'm not. I'm trying to save these people. And again, even even yeah. based on that, is just sort of like why why waste my i don't have to waste my nuance on these folks i'm right. i'm doing good they should just be appreciative so there is still that royal disconnect but there is a moment of maybe some awareness of like huh you know i mean that and so that becomes an important dynamic as well i think Just because-
0: see i think that i mean i think clearly Tyrion's everyone's favorite character but the big picture is that this is the guy that is most responsible for keeping joffrey on the throne and Joffrey's a monster, and that makes Tyrion, for better or worse, a demon monkey. Because yeah. <laughs> even though we like him and he's a good guy, he's he's doing the most to promote the power of someone like Joffrey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a big problem with what's going on up north, Steve. All right. So we go back up north. Are we, and we talking? See,
1: are we talking north? The, the the whole the the theon is. Uh...
0: No, no. I mean, uh, north of the wall, like beyond where the 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 fist of the first Men. Mm-hmm. And we meet a half half-hand. and uh, I'm interested in that character. Like John really idolizes Quorn. Kind of looks like the prototypical ranger, and he's always wanted to be a ranger. And he he can survive for a full winter beyond the wall. And so he's sort of this heroic character in John's eyes, right? Right. In reality, Steve, he's the only one wearing a hat.
1: Huh. I've
0: got a big problem with all of these people up north not wearing hats.
1: Yeah. Of course they're going to
0: die up north. They're not wearing hats.
1: Well, but that just shows how much, why he is uh, to be respected, right?
0: Yeah, put on a hat.
1: It's a simple thing. You can like the only survive thing
0: that, in the snow. Put on a hat. It's the
1: thing that's the only thing that separates him from everybody else. Is like, you
0: have Lord Mormont who's leading the whole crew. He's bald and he's not wearing a hat.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're like, is he a great soldier? No, but for some reason, like, well, everybody else is just chattering. He seems to be fine. Almost sweating even. He may be half hand, but he's full hat.
0: <laughs> he's full hat. I just, you know, it's just one of those things where look, I know I know the camera likes a full head of hair. I know that. But you're up north, man. Put on a hat. <laughs> just get They they
1: got they clearly they
0: have hats. <laughs> a hood, anything. I don't care. Put a raccoon on your head. I don't care. I'm sure and the I... book
1: I'm sure the book discusses the hat in much more detail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 3 pages on the hat.
0: Um I uh I'd like to talk a little bit about Jack and Hagar. Okay. Do you know who I mean when I say Jack and Hagar? Probably. Not <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh so he was the guy in a cage that Arya uh Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. In the,
1: in the burning uh the burning cage.
0: At this point in the story, we're supposed to think that he's Lorathi, Because he doesn't use like regular pronouns, he just says a man does this. Super progressive. A girl does this. Yes. He's got a very, very clear sense of which pronouns he's comfortable with. Right. So his claim is that the red God was robbed of three deaths. He's a little bit like a genie in a bottle. He's granting Arya three Three wishes, Yeah. Right. And we know that she's got this death list.
1: She does have a death list.
0: And she burns a wish off her list. Here's the problem with that, Steve. You would think that she would. But if you look at the list, the tickler's not on the list. That's what I'm saying.
1: She burns it off. It's not
0: on the list. Yeah, not on the list. So this is kind of an argument among the fans. Did she waste a wish? I mean, what was the motivation for using that particular wish on someone who's not on her list?
1: I saw it as a... uh, Look, if you say Joffrey, right now the odds of that happening are down the road uh-huh. if you say Cersei same thing anybody that is away right. there's no way to know you got to find out now is this guy for real right see for real it's a go get it if you're willing to do it go get it right here it's right I, around the corner
0: yeah I could see that um I mean my my case has always been oh, she's also a kid right <laughs> that was always my argument my argument was always like you're expecting a little bit too much from this kid. And not only she's a kid, she's a traumatized kid and what do you expect? She's not she's not going to be as strategically minded as you would be in that particular situation. Right. But I have a different take on this now after rewatching this. I think that the reason why she doesn't choose someone on her list is because she wants to wants to do it. She wants to do it by her own hand. Yeah. And you kind of get that in that sense of her telling Tywin anyone can be killed mm-hmm. and she stares at him like a little bit too long.
1: You know, watch it, man. I can always add to my list.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I mean, it, it links her pretty well with, um, with Rob at this point, right? This is sort of the cascading effect of, of Ned's death. I think Rob is, he's got to avenge his father. Then if you start to rank, rank the Stark children in terms of uh, mm-hmm. strategy, you know we cuz we don't know for sure is arya just hellbent on on revenge she wants to do it on her own or does she have a plan i
0: mean we're talking about the the different kids from winterfell right so arya's clearly an interesting for her age she's something like of a strategic prodigy if my interpretation is right is right i don't think at this point John is very strategically minded I think he needs someone like Sam to like connect the dots for him. Yeah. Like he's making you a steward for a reason, dummy. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. I also think that I think that Sans is a little bit behind at this point, although we're you know, we're not quite seeing what's going on with her internally. Well, we have one of these kids, Bran, who might be dreaming symbolically about the future, but doesn't really know what to do with the information yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's now just. I mean, he's really. I mean, he's got some some counsel, but I mean, his family has left him. Right? I mean, he's yeah. he's kind of created his own new little the uh, you know it's a sort of misfit toy
0: island <laughs> here. <laughs> and then, lowest on the list of strategically minded is Rickon, who he just wants to smash the hell out of Walnuts.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's his goal. Suddenly,
1: there's a much more sinister character that shows up in in Winterfell.
0: He just has it in for those nuts. He hates food.
1: (laughs) I mean, imagine, imagine that kind of. That's an
0: assault against nature itself.
1: Moral compass, be damned. It's just like I don't like food anymore.
0: This week's Bird's Eye View comes to you in the form of a question for discussion. As always, email me at book at baldmove.com, or go to the forums and start a new thread for this if you have any thoughts. This week, I suggested that cat was the real cat's paw in Littlefinger's plot. A cat's paw, of course, is someone used unwittingly by another as a tool. But of course, by this definition, we could say that lots of people qualify as Littlefinger's cat's paw. At the risk of overtaxing the pun, I will also point out that Cat does indeed hurt her paw in this chapter. Now, if you're rolling your eyes at this point, I definitely feel you, but you have to ask, are you rolling your eyes at the interpretation or at the author's intent? Consider the following pun names in Martin's world. First, Lysa aren First name is spelled L-Y-S-A. Reading ahead, we learn that Lysa was involved in the assassination of John, who was, of course, killed by a poison named the Tears of Lys, L-Y-S. Here, no doubt, this is an intentional breadcrumb by Martin. Or consider that Bran can be translated as crow or raven in Welsh. Gotta be intentional. Martin is confirmed being inspired by the War of the Roses, which has a plot concerning the Yorks and the Lancasters. Thus, phonetically, we have the inspiration for the so-named Starks and Lannisters. Tyrion comes from the Greek Tyre, which can be traced to the Phoenician Tsor, literally meaning rock or rocky place. No coincidence here that he comes from Casterly Rock, often just shortened to The Rock. Sam, I'm convinced, this crib from an almost identical character in Lord of the Rings. And then, of course, sticking with Lord of the Rings, we could say that Dario's last name is Naharis. Now, fans of Lord of the Rings will remember that Nahar is a divine horse. Interesting, then, that Dario is cast as a master horseman in the books on the show and becomes the love interest of our favorite Khaleesi. Bronn. Don't Let the Spelling Fool You, functions as the brawn to Tyrion's brain. And what about Roose Bolton? Can you really ever trust a man named Roose? I mean, if the word was spelled R-U-S-E, it means an action intended to deceive. Okay, so even if we grant that a few of these are a stretch, I think we can say with confidence that Martin likes pun names, and that his names sometimes reveal future plot points. So, to my question. Are there other names like this? Which names have I missed? I'm looking specifically for names that uh, could function as pun names either by etymology or by phonetics. And possibly point to future plot reveals? Looking forward to hearing from you. And that's all for this week.